This is the Elite Development Podcast, a show with the aim of helping athletes evolve in every element of their careers through real-world advice and experience. I'm your host, Kenny Dussault. I'm a strength and conditioning coach in Calgary, Alberta, with a singular focus on building better athletes. And now, let's get to the episode. Thank you all for tuning in again to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. Today, I have Terrell Phillips with me. Terrell is the outside linebacker coach with Franklin Road Academy. He grew up playing football and was a scholar athlete in high school and college where he played for Tennessee State University, participating in the senior role. He graduated in 2018 and has been coaching since then. Terrell, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time. And thank you for having me, man. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to be a part of this. I appreciate that a lot. So just to start us off, can you tell me a little more about, you know, who you were growing up, who you were as a kid, what got you into football and sort of led you through the path to where you are today? Yeah, man, just a uh, God-loving kid who grew up in the east east part of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Man, uh, my whole life has been about football, man, football and and, and family and God God first, though, man. Uh, My mom loved football. My brother loved football. Everybody around me loved football, man. So, so that's pretty much how it's, how it's been for me my whole entire life. I love it. So, you know, g- growing up in the game, so obviously not every player that grows up playing gets the chance to go to college, let alone, you know, the chance to go any further with it. But, you know, when was it that you sort of realized as a player that, you know, college football was going to be an opportunity for you? Uh, probably when I was in the seventh grade, um, playing middle school ball. I played at Jerry Baxter Middle School in Nashville. Um, playing, playing, playing ball. I, I, I always, you know, I felt like I had the talent. I was confident, confident, but humble enough to to know that, you know, I had the talent to be able to take it pretty far, even at that young of an age in the seventh grade. But, um, you know, just I felt like I had the work ethic at a very young age. I I always wanted to be outside uh, and growing up where I'm from, you know, it was always, you've been out running in and out of the house with my mom and, and everything. So, so me and my brother were always outside playing ball. We, we had a, a big group of friends that we played ball with all day long. I mean, all day long, we were playing ball, man, from, from, from the time we got out of school till it was time to go get ready for, for bed, man. So, yeah. Yeah, who needs homework or any of that stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so from a really young age, you had the confidence. And do you think it was just because you were always playing or was there anything else that went into that confidence? Because that's something I see a lot with kids now is – you know, when I'll sit down with them their first their first session in the gym with me and I say, OK, where do you want to go with your sport? They don't have that confidence to be able to tell me that they want to, you know, play in college or play professionally or anything like that. So what do you think it was for you that allowed you to actually have that confidence and then pursue it? Well, for me, confidence kind of came natural. Uh, my mom instilled it in, in me and my brother as far as uh, being confident in everything we do. Uh, if you're going out, if you're going to go out and do something, you got to know that you're the best at it. You got to know that you're going to be the best at it. You got to know that you're going to do your best at at that craft. So, uh, like I said, for me, it was always uh, my mom instilling that in me, uh, saying, "Hey, go get it. You know you're the best. Go get it." Every every day, every morning, my mom used to tell us, "Go get it." Every morning on the way to school. 
I love that. I mean, I think that's, you know, such an important part of the role as a parent. Like I don't have kids myself now, but it's just, it's always interesting seeing the role that parents play in the development of kids, especially when it comes to athletics. You know, if they take the approach of like, oh, don't get your hopes up too high. You don't want to be sad if you don't make the team or if they take that approach of like, no, you know what? Go out, go get it and take it all. So I love hearing that. (laughs) Yes, sir. And uh, from that experience as a kid growing up, you know, I know you're coaching now. So to skip ahead quite a bit, you know, is there anything that you take from what your parents instilled in you to the kids that you coach now? Um, just my whole de- demeanor of being tough. Um, I, so like I said, you know, uh, we, it, honestly, it was just me and my mom and my brother uh, my whole life. Um, my dad was there, but but he was there for a little bit. Um, so it was that toughness, that 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 single parent toughness that I grew up with, the neighborhood toughness um, that I, I try to instill in in, in the guys now. Uh, even with our drills, you know, uh, I, I'm one that believes pain is mental, and that you can fight through anything. And I, I try to I try to instill that in them. And I try to instill that in everything I do. I love that. And I mean, I think a huge part of work ethic as a whole comes from the mental side too, right? It's like, what's your definition of actually working hard? There are some kids that, you know, the second their legs start feeling a little sore, they go, okay, that's enough hard work for now. But if you start to realize that, you know, I think one of my favorite ones, it's uh, David Goggins' 40% rule. Like when you feel like you're done, you're only 40% of the way there. And I think that's a, exactly. that's a great way to approach athletics in that way. Yeah. And so growing up as a player, you said it was, you know, probably around seventh grade that you felt like you had, you had what it takes to pursue a, a college football career. Now, what was the recruitment process like for colleges? Like, when did that sort of start for you? Were there a lot of schools? How did you kind of settle on Tennessee State as the school to go to? Uh, coming up, I was kind of a late bloomer uh, with uh, with the whole recruiting stages. Um, I had I had um, my senior year. That's when everything started rolling in. Uh, I had a couple of a couple of looks from like the D two and D three schools and. The, NIAI schools, uh, but uh, I didn't I didn't get schools like Tennessee Tech or UT Martin or uh, Tennessee State to like my senior year. Uh, that's that's when it started coming up. But uh, that that is I I, I feel you know the, what the what the guys go through now and the girls who 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 are playing ball because you know we got to throw that in there with Sarah Fuller from Vanderbilt being the first ever female to you know kick kick for points in a D1 single A game. But um the the recruiting process is uh it's different, man. Uh a, a bunch of talking um but for me it was more about it was more about placement and love. I I have to know if if I'm going to come and and play ball for you and give you my all, it's got to be some love coming back. You know, uh whether it's whether it's coach I, it's three o'clock in the morning. I can't sleep. I, I got to talk about this. Are, are you able, you know, just stuff like that, man. And uh, ten, for Tennessee State, it stuck out with me with uh, Coach Rod Reed, man. It, it, it stuck out because it was like uh, he he gave out that love. He he gave out that support on a daily basis, man. Uh, and uh, Pop Brown, 
who was a team chaplain at Tennessee State, man, he gave out that love. And I had been knowing him since, I want to say the sixth grade. Uh, I had knew about him since the sixth grade. And he was our team chaplain for me in high school and the whole FCA spiel. And that 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 is what that's what brought me to Tennessee State. I love that. I mean, I think it is a crucial part of coaching. Like that's, you know, that's something that I think in my industry specifically gets overlooked a lot is the fact that, you know, yes, you're dealing with athletes. Yes. You're dealing with, you know, the X's and O's of the career, but more than anything else, you're dealing with people and like, they're going to be going through stuff. There's going to be stuff outside of the sport that's going on. And in any kind of coaching role, I think it's a crucial part to be able to help kids through that stuff even more so than yeah. simply just helping them through the sport, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot more than just the sport, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So for any kid who's maybe going through that process right now, I know it might be tempting when schools come to you with, you know, big offers of the full ride or whatever else it might be, or, you know, we're going to be playing in like this big a stadium and you're going to have this many eyes on you. What would your best advice be for any kid going through that process right now of things that are maybe below the surface to look for with schools before signing anything? Uh, well, you know, like I said, it's all about the love aspect. Uh, some kids are coming from as far as Canada. And when I, when I, when I like, um, the receiver who plays for the uh, Steelers, he's from Canada and, and, and he played at a uh, Notre Dame, if I'm not mistaken, but it is, it's, you, you gotta have, you gotta be able to feel loved when you're away from home. I need, I need that, that, that father love, that brotherly love away from home. Uh, and, and that, that is one of the main aspects of, of, of going to choosing a school that you're going to go to. Uh, you don't want to go anywhere and be uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. And, you know, do you feel like there's anything in particular that can be asking the coaches or talking to coaches about to, to make sure that they're going into that kind of situation? Oh yeah. Just uh, for, for me, it was, I asked about a prior experience to, to, uh, you know, hey, if I if I can't sleep at night, coach, and I I'm I'm going through some stuff with classes and stuff, will you be there to help me? And have you ever done that before? And tell me about it. Tell me about the experience. You don't have to tell me the name. You don't have to tell me the exact situation, but tell me about a situation where you've been through that. Where you've been through that, like with other players in the past, too, just to right. kind of give right. you a feel. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, I think, you know, now kids kids today a lot of the time have difficulty asking those kinds of questions, like that they, you know, have difficulty asking for exactly what they're looking for. But I think it is really important. Like you're giving you're giving this school the, your future, essentially. Like if you're going to make it further, this school is going to have a lot to do with that. And you need to make sure that the things you need are going to be taken care of when you get there. Exactly. So now coming into that first year playing college football, I know obviously college football in the States is massively different than it is here in Canada, but uh, what were some of your big takeaways from that first season? You know, you're away from home, you're at the next level. What was sort of the biggest change for you or the biggest eye opener for you going into that year? Um, I, I learned, I learned a lot about independence, uh, being independent. Uh, like I, like I continue to say, you know, I grew up in a single parent home. You know, my mom worked two and three jobs to make sure me and my brother had it. Uh, 
So I, I learned a lot more about independence. I, I learned I learned why my mom worked two and three jobs, and I learned uh, I learned why I need to work hard now so I don't have to work two and three jobs. So uh, coming in, I I learned a lot about just that. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good like that's a really good lesson, you know, even just from your life growing up and being able to take that into the college football set. I got you back. So sorry if there's some glitches in the recording here. We're having a little bit of internet connection issues, but uh, Terrell, you were just saying coming into first year that you were able to take a lot away from your from the the situation at home with your parents, your mom, sorry, live working two or three jobs to make sure that you guys were okay, and how that translated into you knowing how hard you had to work to make sure that you weren't in the same situation. So. Obviously, that's an incredible exactly. that's an incredible lesson to have learned that early because I think that's a huge motivation going into that kind of career, that kind of situation at school and knowing that football could be your future. And so, for any kids right now that are maybe heading into that first year in a similar situation, is there anything that you could tell them to be ready for before going into that first training camp to make sure that they can kind of give themselves an edge and let themselves let themselves really be ready for what college football is going to bring. Oh yeah, man. Uh, always, always, always. And this is, this is something that I did not know going in. Um, but I, you know, I, I learned it halfway through that. I didn't even learn. I didn't learn it to the end of my sophomore year, man. Go in with the empty head, go in willing and ready to accept and absorb every single little thing that's going on, whether it's the film study, uh, whether it's the, the, the practice habits, whether it's the pre-practice habits, post-practice habits, pre-game habits, pre-practice meals, post-practice meals, like the little things are what matters when, when, it, when it comes to, you know, any sport, whether it comes to, you know, uh, basketball, soccer, track, any of that, Make sure you 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 have your habits down. Make sure you look at the older guys. Make sure you do your your research before you go in, uh, and, and know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, research the coaches and everything they have had going on. Research the the the, the team from last year. Kind of look at a little film. YouTube is amazing. YouTube has literally everything you need. Look at the old film. Try to connect with some of the uh, players that are that are that are coming in with you. Kind of learn them before you before you get in uh, so that way you won't be surprised about anything man i think that is a really really good takeaway because it just shows the deliberate practice that you're going in with right by understanding that much more you're not walking into a new situation going okay i guess we'll figure this out like you're walking in knowing the coach right. you're walking in knowing some teammates you're walking in knowing as much yeah. about the operation as you can possibly know but one I really want to hit on from that is you were talking about the pre-game habits, the pre-practice habits, the meals, things like that. 
from your own experience, what were those habits that helped you be successful? Even if you didn't know right away, like as you developed them, what were some of those habits that you think kids could maybe take in and start applying from day one in, uh, in their college well, careers? Well, for me, it was, um, it was always, it was always to, to, to get up. And when I wake up, start your, start your brain there. Start your thought process there. Start, start, start the thinking of what am I going to do today? I'm going to be great today. Start manifesting that positivity in your life at that very moment that you wake up. Wake up, put a smile on, thank God that he woke you up and start manifesting that positivity. Uh, that, was, that was always, always a goal for me. I had been doing that since my junior year of high school. Um, Another thing I did, I always, I, <laughs> I always listen to, to to music before games. My 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 first track that I listened to was literally anything by Whitney Houston. I, I love Whitney Houston, so so I listen to anything by Whitney Houston, and, and I mean it could be any song, and and it it'll mellow me out like the calm before the storm. Then I get the hyper music going on. And then I listened to one last song before Whitney Houston, before it's time for the big guys to go out. Cause you know, I was in the trenches, big D lineman. Um, one more, one more calm. It got me ready, man. It got me ready and hyped. I love that. I mean, I think it's just, it's great seeing, you know, different people and like what their pregame routines look like. And, uh, you know, so it's cool hearing that, but, what I love hearing there too is the manifesting the positivity first thing in the morning, because I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people kind of scoff at those kind of practices of, you know, like just sitting and kind of being self-aware and just, you know, like you said, thanking God for waking you up today. You know, what was it that made you start that practice? Because I think it's such an underrated thing that people do, because I know that's something I've been working on a lot just the last few years is, you know, creating the positivity within yourself that you can then pass to everybody else through the day. Um, so in the ninth grade, I started uh, listening to Eric Thomas, uh, the motivational speaker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I started listening to him a lot. And he, he, he'd always talk, talked about mani manifesting the positivity. He actually spoke at my college graduation. Oh, and that's that was, awesome. That was eye-opening. Yeah, that was eye-opening, man. Uh, just... Um, listening to him, man, he always said manifest the positivity that you want. So with that, I, it, it, it took me a while to, to kind of understand what that means. Um, so, you know, if, if I'm going to put in the work body wise, physical wise, I need to do it mentally too. So I have to manifest that positivity that I want for that day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, the mental side is such an underrated part of the game, especially when you start getting to those high levels. And, you know, that's one of the main reasons I really wanted to start this show is I think there are so many kids out there that think, you know, I'm just going to pick up a football, throw it around a little bit, and then the D1 offers are going to come flying in and, you know, they're never going to face any kind of adversity. They're never going to face any kind of difficulty. And, you know, I think it's powerful to hear yeah. these you know, little things like that, because there is adversity in any career, you know, no matter how long it goes and oh, yeah. being able yeah. to manifest that positive attitude every morning when you wake up is just going to make it that much easier to handle those difficult things when they come up. That's it. 
that's it right there. Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about, you know, obviously, like I said, there is a lot of adversity that any athlete faces. So when you came into that first year of college, excuse me, when you came into that first year of college, you know, were you, were you playing right away? Were you sort of in the, in the background on the team a little bit more? Like how did you handle that transition from high school to college for yourself personally? I was, for me, I was in the background, man. I I just came off a, a knee surgery, a major knee surgery. Uh, so so I, I was I was in the background, man, just absorbing it all. Like I said, um, mentally, just just absorbing it all. Physically, standing in the weight room. Physically, standing in the classroom. Uh, um, um, and 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 going through taking mental reps of everything, man. Uh, just listening to what the coaches had to say. Listening to what the guys around me had to say. Uh, looking at the older guys uh, to to see what they had going on, uh, and and that was that was big for me, man. That first year was very eye opening, man, because like I said, I learned a lot of independence, and I had to learn how to independently go through the mental steps to be successful. Yeah, I think that's huge, and you know, especially you said coming off of a major knee surgery, was it just that? positivity practice every morning that kind of kept you in a good space through that? Or was there anything else that went into, you know, keeping going and keeping pushing? Cause I know that coming off of any kind of major injury is an extremely difficult thing for an athlete, especially when, when you're in a new situation with like at college as well, you know, what was it that kind of kept you pushing through that whole surgery to make sure that you could get back to the field and keep that career going? Yeah, it was it was the it was the mental the the mental positivity uh, that kept me going because it was so many times I just wanted to say nah can't do this nah I won't put myself through this anymore but uh, I, I I had to take a long second and think I have to do this I will do this uh, so that that was that was just that was it right there that, that the, the mental positivity that I would you know put myself through every morning. I love that. So for any kid right now that's maybe, you know, hearing this and thinking that this is something they need to implement into their lives, because I do, you know, for anybody listening, I do believe so much in, you know, creating your own reality the way that you're saying you're doing here. What would be a great way to start implementing that, you know, mental positivity practice into your morning? Like, what was it for you? And what could maybe some other kids take from your experiences and apply? Uh, so, so like I said, man, I, I just, you know, manifest those positive thoughts, man. So it's it's real easy to get up and say something to yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and, and, and just say something to yourself. It don't take a lot of energy for that. So so I would say just start with that. Go get up, do your stretch, look in the mirror before you brush your teeth, yeah, your teeth and say, you know, I'm I'm gonna have an amazing day. This is gonna be an amazing day. This is gonna be a great day. I got a game today. Oh, this is going to be the greatest game I've ever played in. Uh, I got a test today. Oh, this is going to be the greatest test I've ever taken. I'm going to get a straight A. Uh, anything like that. I got physical therapy today on my on my injury. I'm 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 going to push myself to those limits doing physical therapy so I can come back. I love that. I mean, I think yeah, that's a really powerful thing, and it's you know it's amazing what you can do when you've got the right mindset too. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's all it takes is the mindset, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, moving out of your college career, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the transition from playing into coaching? Uh, for me, it was, it was easy. Uh, I always knew that I wanted to be a coach. Uh, coach Reed used to tell us, man, on my seventh birthday, I got a, I got a whistle in the clipboard, man. <laughs> and I always thought that was funny because coach Reed is probably one of the top five greatest Tennessee state university football players of all time. And he's not number five. Uh, so, so I, I, I took that in, um, and I told him one day, he, 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 he stopped me. We was in Memphis uh, getting ready for the Southern Heritage Classic. And he, we were sitting in the lobby and he stopped me one day and he asked me, man, he said, what do you want to do after this? I said, I want your job. <laughs> so it was, it was always easy for me, man, that I, I knew that I was going to go into coaching because I've always believed in it's bigger than me. I want to, I want to pass on what I've learned to the younger generation to keep it going. I love that. Cause I know, you know, that was pretty similar to myself. I knew from a pretty early age that uh, making a career as an athlete was not going to be in the cards for me, but I knew that I wanted to spend my life around sports. And then I fell in love with the weight room at a really young age. And that was just sort of an easy transition where I decided, you know what, it's going to be strength and conditioning for me. And that's how I'm going to, you know, make my impact in the sporting world. And so to hear other people that kind of knew from an early age that coaching was in their future is always really interesting. So coming out of school, uh, what was your first coaching job? How did that, how did that come up and get started for you? Man, actually I would, I would actually spend a little bit of my extra time coaching little league football. Okay. Uh, I, w- I would go out with the, yeah, I w- we had a, like a dead period before we had to report the training camp and stuff. And I would, I would go out and, and help with the, with the little league team. Uh, the, it, it was the middle Tennessee Bulldogs. Now they're the music city saints. Um, man, I, I would, my, my uncle called me one day. He was like, we need it. We need some help on the D line. I was like, I got a little time. I can come help. So I, I would, I would, I would spend, Monday through Sunday, uh, going out and, and helping those kids out, teaching them, you know, a, a shorter version of the technique I knew. Uh, and and it, it, that that blew my mind on how much they absorbed it. Because kids are like sponges. When they hear something, they go and do it. When they see something, they go and do it. That blew my mind. And that team wound up going to win a, a city championship that year. Hey, that's awesome. And do you, did you find, cause I'm always curious what, uh, what players think of this, but do you find that coaching that time improved you as a player in any way? Um, I think it did. I think, I think it improved me as a player and as a person. Uh, cause I, again, I realized it was bigger than me. Uh, this sport that I love is bigger than me. And as a, as a, as a, as a player, I, I would, I would see, I would see the technique that they're doing wrong and I'm coaching them on and I'm like, man, I did that wrong too. Let me fix that myself. You know, so it was just that. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's huge. And that's something that I noticed quite a lot, uh, quite a lot with players who, you know, coach in their extra time too, is they'll sort of tell me, they'll go, yeah, I was teaching this kid. And then I realized that, you know, as I was teaching it, you know, we, we see a lot of hockey up here, but 
as I was teaching it, I realized that, you know, that's something that I don't do very well either. And it's sort of when you're able to relay what you're trying to teach them to do and you can kind of find the mistakes or, you know, the flaws in your own game at the same time, I think it's massively important for players. You know, if you can teach it to somebody else, then it's just going to improve your ability to do it even more. Exactly. And that's, and that's, that's exactly what it did for me. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, I think it's a really, it's a really important thing for players to be able to continue to progress in their own careers to, you know, spend some time in the off seasons working with younger kids. And as much as sometimes it can be a frustrating job working with those younger kids, if you can explain something you're doing to a 10 year old, well, then you can explain it to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, One of the, one of the greatest coaches I've ever met, man, he, he told me, it's, it's, it's two type of type of players that if you can coach them, you're a heck of a coach. If you can teach a girl how to play football, and if you can teach any, any kid under 10 how to play football, you're going to be a heck of a coach. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, it, you learn so many different things working with kids of that age than, uh, than you do if you're only kind of after the pro jobs and everything, right? Like being able to teach it at such a basic yeah. fundamental level it improves your own understanding of the game so much more. And then when you do make it to those, you know, high school, college and pro jobs, you've got such a deeper understanding of the game. You're only going to be that much more successful. Exactly. And so from your experiences as a player, what would you say are the biggest things you're able to take from your experience in college football to the coaching that you do now? Uh, the work ethic. Um, I, I see. I see now. A lot of the. Uh, a lot of the guys. Uh, they don't. They don't really want to work that hard. They. They get a little lazy. Um, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't a lazy guy when it came to football. I always wanted to give it my all because I, I. I knew it was something bigger ahead. When you in middle school, you want to go play in high school. When you're in high school, you want to go and play college. When you're in college, you want to go play in the NFL. When you're in the NFL, you want to be a Hall of Famer. So it's something ahead, you know? Um, so I, that the work ethic aspect was was really, 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 really astonishing to me uh, because as a coach, you see the little lazy stuff. Sometimes you'll let it, all right, he, he took that drill off. This next drill, I need 100% out of you. And then that, that, that stuff that I say, I, I, I see you loafing on that last one. This next one, I need 100% out of you. Good. And, I mean, I think more coaches need to be able to, you know, call kids out on stuff like that. But uh, I found it interesting you said that, you know, a lot of kids now you find don't really want to work that hard or, you know, they're taking drills off and things like that. Yeah. What do you think it is that – causes that because I agree I see that a lot as well where you know kids talk this big game and you know I'm going to play here I'm going to sign you know this million dollar contract whatever it is but then when I say okay we've got conditioning to do at the end of the workout all of a sudden it's you know they have absolutely no desire to do the work that goes into you know those million dollar contracts and playing here or there or wherever they want to play so what do you think it is that causes that and as coaches what can we do to reverse it and to really foster the work ethic that they need. Because so when we were, when we were younger, they used to show a lot more of the, uh, the practice things, you know, uh, a lot of people didn't, didn't realize that, that 
you know, Steph Curry, one of the, probably, arguably the greatest shooter of all time. Steph Curry will, will go down as the greatest three-point shooter of all time. A lot of people didn't realize his dad, Dale Curry, was a great shooter also. So, so, so Dale Curry used to bring Steph Curry into the gym and make him shoot shots. Make him put up those shots. A lot of people didn't see the hard work that Steph put in before he got to the NBA and started making all of these shots. A lot of people didn't know Reggie Miller's sister, Cheryl Miller, she got awards named after her. She's one of the greatest female athletes of all time. A lot of people didn't realize Michael Jordan, he didn't make his team in the 10th grade, his basketball team in the 10th grade at Laney High School. Uh, so... A lot of people, a lot of these kids didn't, don't see the hard work that these guys are putting in before they get to that point. And then that all they see is, all they see is the after, after effects. Steph Curry just signed a $200 million contract or whatever it is. Or Michael Jordan is, has his own shoe brand. He's worth a billion. They, they see just that. They don't see the hard work that they were putting in before. They didn't see that Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, only spent uh, four hours a night sleeping because he wanted to be with his kids in the morning to take them to school. He didn't want to miss that time. A lot of people didn't didn't see that, that what Kobe Bryant was doing, spending spending time before and after practice, shoot, take putting up shots because he wanted to be the greatest. These kids just want to be the greatest and not put the work in. But as a coach, as a coach, you 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 have to show them. Kobe Bryant did this. Michael Jordan did this. Walter Payton, which is the greatest football player of all time to me, did this. Steve McNair did this. Tom Brady did this. You know, you got you to show them what they did on, on top of the, 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 the after effect, what they got from it. Man, I mean, I don't think you could have put that any better if you tried. Like, I think that's a, you know, that's <laughs> such an important thing that I think it is true. Kids don't tend to see because, you know, if you YouTube Steph Curry, I'm sure the first, you know, hundred results are probably just highlight videos of beautiful shots he's making. So kids go yeah. out and think that, Hey, if I want to play like that, I've just got to go practice these beautiful, you know, like, crazy shots that he's putting up, not realizing that when he was, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, he wasn't pulling up beautiful shots like that in the NBA. He was practicing the fundamentals. He was building the foundation that created the athlete. He is now. So in your opinion, what are like, what are some athletes that these kids need to maybe dig a little deeper into to see the work ethic that goes into being that great? Um, Football-wise, the hardest working football player that I've ever seen was Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice went to a a historically black college, Mississippi Valley. Uh, Jerry Rice was not the fastest. Jerry Rice was not the strongest. Jerry Rice was not the tallest. Jerry Rice put in the work and the effort. Jerry Rice ran, ran a heel every day before practice, after practice. Jerry Rice put in the work and effort to make sure he was one of the greatest route runners of all time. Jerry Rice records won't be broken simply because Jerry Rice put in that work. Jerry Rice laid out the foundation. I'm a, I'm a fundamental guy. I, I'm really big on fundamentals. So for football, I would say Jerry Rice. For, for And, and I, I'm going to kind of go down the line just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, for golf, I'm going to say Tiger. Tiger, a lot of people don't know, Tiger spent nights – on the golf course, 
nights. You can't see anything at night on a golf course. Jerry Rice built a golf course in his backyard so he could practice. That's why Jerry Rice is, I mean, no, I'm sorry, Tiger Woods' son is, is, is going to be, Tiger Woods' son is going to be one of the greatest because he sat and watched his dad. Then he started practicing. Now everything Tiger Woods does, he mimics it. Uh, basketball, Kobe. Kobe, I, 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 mimic, I mimic some of my life behind Kobe Bryant because of the type of man he was, the stuff that he did. Kobe Bryant, like I said, he spent four hours of sleep. I mean, he spent, spent four hours a night sleeping because he wanted to be great. He, he wanted to be a great dad. He wanted to be a great basketball player. He wanted to be an all-around great person. He only spent that four hours of, of, of sleep per night because he wanted to be able to take his kids to school. A lot of these athletes miss it. A lot of these kids miss it, you know? They, they miss their dads. A lot of these dads miss their kids. Uh, so that's it. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I think it's just, you know, especially for kids now that have those kinds of athletes as parental role models, like it's going to be incredible to watch what their kids can do when, you know, they get that, when they get to that age, like, uh, I know LeBron James's son is like, he's, you know, working his way into the basketball world right now too. And it's like being able to see, what these kids are able to take from their parents and continue to, you know, con- like continue the next generation of success in sports in their families is pretty incredible too. But I think those are some yeah. incredible examples. I've got to, I've got to uh, vouch for the Kobe Bryant example too. You know, I didn't yeah. follow him too, too closely until unfortunately he passed away, but you know, after that, I started reading a little bit more about Kobe Bryant, learning a little bit more about, you know, just the way he lived his life. And, you know, if you want to succeed as an athlete, I don't think there's any better example than Kobe Bryant of the way you've got to work. Like I remember one, uh, one video that I watched about him and it was another player. I can't remember the name now, but he was talking, uh, you know, he was playing the Lakers that night and he went into the gym just to practice and work out a little bit. And when he got there, Kobe was already there. And so, you know, the guy said, I practiced for like a good hour, hour and a half. And when I was leaving, I turned and Kobe was still there and still practicing and still in, you know, full on game mode, like going hard. And then that night, Kobe dropped 45 points on them. And then so he said he approached Kobe after he said, you know, why did you practice for so long today? And he turned to him and just said, because I saw you come in and I wanted you to know that whatever you were willing to do, I was willing to do more. And like that just, that blew me away when I heard that. Like that was, I think just right away, you know, it shows the mental side, but it shows just the physical preparation that it takes to succeed at that kind of level. Yes, sir. And so for kids now, you know, like obviously you're saying that's, so these are some great athletes to look up to and to kind of take some examples from, but, you know, for the kids you're coaching now, you know, what are some philosophies that you take into coaching to make sure that, you know, you're setting these kids up for success when they reach the next level? Um, for me, uh, a philosophy that I've always looked at um, was, um, I forgot who said it, but it was, it was a fifth grade teacher who, who, who gave it to me, uh, vision plus energy equals success. So I, I, I feed that to my kids at, uh, FRA, uh, vision plus energy equals success. And 
that that is that is that's that is powerful to me. Uh, just just saying it in my head over and over and over and over and over. You got a vision. Let's put it in the energy for it. Let's put in the effort for it. And I promise you it's going to equal success. Man, that's awesome. Like that gave me goosebumps just hearing that. I think that's really yeah. that's really well said. And one thing I know is difficult for a lot of kids too, is actually putting together that vision. Like there are a lot of times where, you know, I've talked to younger athletes and I've said, where do you want your career to take you? What is that ultimate dream of success for you? And the response I get is kind of a shrug their shoulders. I don't know. So, you know, what would your advice be to kids to actually be able to create that vision and, you know, really put, you know, because I know the clearer that vision is, the better what would your advice be to kids to actually create that clear vision of success in their minds? So from the beginning, uh, most kids from this, from my understanding, because I taught middle school before I went on to uh, teach in a FRA in high school. Um, from, from my understanding, all kids have a vision of what they want to do, what they want to be, but then get intimidated and, and, and try to come on with a plan B and don't tell us about plan A. Scratch off plan B. Let's not worry about plan B. Let's not worry about Plan B at all. We're, we're still young enough to, to to realize that 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 Plan A, that's it. That's the only plan. I'm put every piece of effort I have into Plan A. There's no such thing as Plan B. So so I, I I'm I always tell kids, you know, scratch off Plan B. Let's what's what's Plan A? What did you want to do when you first saw it and you realized, wow, I want to do this? For me, I I'd always said. I would coach football for free if I if I if I had to. I would I would lose all type of sleep, have me a night job, and coach football during the day if I had to. And that's that's just how much I love it. And now I'm living out a part of my dream because my major dream is to be a coach in the NFL. Man, I love that because I feel the exact same way. Like uh, that's you know this is the job that I've wanted since I was twelve or thirteen years old, and I wanted to be in the gym training athletes and the exact vision of, you know, where I want to do it, what kind of athletes I want to work with, like that stuff changes. But ultimately, yeah, this is the job that if somebody said you can do anything with the rest of your life and will give you a living wage that you can, you know, keep food on the table and a roof over your head, what would it be? That's, that's where I'm at right now. So I love that idea of just talking to kids and saying, okay, what is plan A and how do we make that happen? Yeah. Because yeah. I think as well, it's just the clarity of the vision, right? Like it's one thing to kind of look and say, yeah, I want to play pro football. It's another thing to look and say, okay, from high school, I want to go to this school. And then from this school, I want to go to, you know, and the more you can plan out every step, the more you know what you have to do today to lead into a better tomorrow right. that's going to actually make that those next steps happen. Exactly. But I say that kind of stuff starts as 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 far as memory starts. Uh, as far as you can remember, uh, I was five when I realized football is what I want. Football is what I need. So so when I was five, I realized all I want to do is have something to do with football, whether it's coaching, whether it's scouting, whether it's playing, whatever the case may be. I say it starts at, at that young of an age. So that way, all the energy I have, let's, let's chug it like a train and let's keep going. 
Yeah. And then I think that's the great, that's the great thing for kids. Once they have that vision, they know what needs to go into it. Right. And the more clarity they have towards it, they know what they need to do today. They know what they need to do every single day to actually make that happen. Cause you know, like I said, before we started the recording, one of the real main reasons I started this show was that I find there are so many kids that, you know, have that dream, but I guess, you know, I guess the way to put it would be is they don't have that vision for that dream. You know, they come in, they say, I want to play in the NFL, but they don't have that vision of, you know, what life in the NFL is really like, what needs to go into life today to create the opportunity to actually play in the NFL. So I think that gives a lot of really good clarity to, you know, how to kind of develop that vision as well. Exactly. I love that, man. And do you have any kids? Like, I think that's a really good philosophy that uh, vision plus energy equals success. Do you have any kids in particular that you find have really bought into that philosophy as well, who have really kind of been able to kind of take it and run with it? Yeah. I, so I have a kid uh, at FRA. Well, uh, he's a senior, man. Uh, his name is Connor Moore. That kid was one of the greatest athletes I had saw at his age, man. And I, and I played with some great athletes, but Connor Moore, uh, now he's committed to SMU, but, but he, he had the vision from his freshman year. And I, I and like I said, I'm, I'm coming into my second season at FRA, but um, when I, when I met him, it was something about him. He had like an aura of, about him. And I'm like, this kid is going to be great. Uh, first time I seen him run a route, I'm like, oh my, what, what? How are you this advanced? How are you this advanced at this age? When I first time I, I the after that route, he he made a gorgeous two hand catch fundamentally. I mean, and and took off, and I'm like, yeah, okay. And I and I started that conversation. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Football. As that was his exact football. <laughs> I loved it from there. I loved it. I loved it because I'm like, that's that's it. Football. That's it. That's it. So 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 how 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 can we get you there? How, how can we make you successful? He went on to tell me, and and I we went from there. Man, I love that, and it's such a simple answer too, right? Just one word. What do you want to do with your life? Football. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Football. <laughs> and you know, yeah. you said that that's he has. It. You said that he has an aura about him. And, you know, I know I've seen those athletes before too, where like they just, they walk into the gym or they walk into practice and you can just kind of tell, like, you're not like everybody else in here. Like there's something different about you. Can you put your finger on like, what was it about him that, you know, stuck out to you like that? Um, If I was to say anything, It'll probably be his confidence because that, that's what drew me to him. He he told the cornerback, because we were doing one-on-ones, he told the cornerback, no, I want you right in front of me. Stand right here in front of me. And it was one of the better cornerbacks on the team. Stand right here in front of me. Play play man on me. Even though, you know, it, like I said, it was one-on-one, so he had his own assignment. Stand right in front of me. When he said that, I'm like, I'm getting a T.O. <laughs> feeling from this kid. I'm getting a Randy Moss feeling from this kid. And when I, I mean, and the route was beautiful. The catch was beautiful. The cornerback played perfect coverage. You couldn't have played it any better than that. Tracked the hips, all of the above, and made it happen. But 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 he could not do anything with Connor Moore. 
I love that. I mean, I think the confidence is such a huge thing. And, you know, then that leads me into the next question, which is, do you think that kind of confidence can be taught? Or do you think that's one of those things that, you know, you, you grow up in the sport and you just have it or you don't? Confidence is, is, is instilled in you, whether you instill it in yourself by what you do and what you watch, or whether it's somebody instilling it in you. Uh, confidence is a learned, a learned thing. I don't want to say learned behavior because it's not a behavior, but confidence is a learned thing. You, you learn how to be confident. Uh, some, some people are born with the confidence. Some people are just, they just have it. Like, like a guy I, I was in college with named AC Leonard, AC Leonard play, went on to play for the Vikings and now he's in the CFL, but AC Leonard had it. He had that it's factor. AC Leonard, it was like, <laughs> it was like a glow up under him when he walked, like, like he had it. He knew he was unstoppable, but he knew nobody could stop him. And he had it. He had that confidence to know you step in front of me, you're going you to regret it today. <laughs> Man, yeah. I love that. And But I love, too, that you said that it's instilled in you, because that's a question that I ask a lot in yeah. these interviews. You know, if you think that that confidence can be taught or if you just have it or you don't. And a lot of people have sort of said, which, you know, I've always kind of believed myself, too, is that it's a little bit of both. Like there, you know, you can you can you can teach some of it, but you do have to have that certain trait in yourself as well. And I love what you said there about it being instilled in you and either you're instilling it in yourself or somebody, you know, from a young age is instilling it in you. And for someone who's looking to start instilling that in themselves, who maybe doesn't have that confidence right now, but knows, but wants to continue to progress in their sport, what would be the ways that you find that kids can start to instill confidence in themselves to help them progress? Mm. Honestly, it's nothing to it but to do it, man. Just And it's back to the positive motiva- motivation for yourself. Like Nike, just do it. You know, just I'm going to be great. I am great. You know, you just have to say it to yourself a billion times until your face turn blue. You just have to continue to sail in, in, until it's stuck in, in your brain. I'm going to be great. I have to be great. I have no other choice. Failure is not an option. I love that. And I mean, I think the important thing there too is even if you don't believe it right away, continuing to say it, continuing to instill yeah. it. And then it's, you know, you're going to hit that day yeah. where all of a sudden you're saying it and then you're not thinking, Oh, I sound silly. You're, you know, you're actually thinking, yeah, this is, this is true. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. That's like, that was always it for me. That's awesome. And I think that's just, you know, that's such an incredible lesson to learn because again, like you said, you know, it's incredible what you can do when you have the right mindset, but if you're born in a situation where that mindset's not instilled in you, you know, it's really easy to turn and say, Oh, well, that's just, you know, that's not me. I don't believe that it's harder to wake up every morning, look at yourself in the mirror and give yourself those positive affirmations. Cause at first you might kind of feel silly doing it. You might sort of feel like, Oh, what am I doing here? This isn't going to change anything. But if you do it day after day, after day, after day, you're going to hit that day where all of a sudden you do start to believe it. And then once you believe it, incredible things happen. That's it. I love it, man. I think we've hit on a lot of really good things so far in this interview, you know, just about building confidence about, you know, what kids can do to 
prepare themselves for being away from home for the first time playing their sport and, you know, all of these next steps in their careers. But before we wrap up, do you feel like there's anything we missed, anything that we should touch on a little bit more for these kids? No, man. And and I just wanted to tell you, man, you're doing an amazing job. I appreciate you for uh, creating this platform for, 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 you know, kids that were like me, for, for kids that are coming up because and, and God bless you, man, you're doing an amazing job. I appreciate that a lot because I just, I think that, you know, the more resources that are out there, the better, right? Like there's a lot of stuff out there right now on, you know, uh, certain types of workouts to do, or, you know, routes that you can practice running and just sort of that physical aspect of the actual sport itself. But one thing that I found is a little bit lacking out there is resources about the mental side of sports. And, you know, it's one thing to talk about mental preparation, but I think to be able to hear it from people who have lived it and hear it from people who are still living it, whether it's in a coaching capacity or a playing capacity, you know, there's no better way because I think there's no one right answer for any of these questions, but if we can have it from a hundred different perspectives of, you know, this is what worked for me, or this is what worked for me then my hope is that kids can listen to these and, you know, they can take one or two things away from you and they can take one or two things away from every one of those interviews and then create their own answer. That's going to help them be successful in their own careers. That's it. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time coming on the show and, you know, sharing your story too. I think there's a lot of really good stuff to take away from you. Um, and if anybody's list, if anybody's looking to get in touch with you, you know, about something they heard today or just anything else, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, I don't do social media. I, I kind of try to stay away from social media, but, uh, my LinkedIn account or, um, or just email me, man. I'm always open for email. My email is uh, terrellphillips13 at gmail.com. T-E-R-E-L-L-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-1-3 at gmail.com. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Terrell. I appreciate you. I appreciate the time and, you know, such a positive message too. And for anybody else listening, this has been the Elite Development Podcast with Terrell Phillips and Kenny Duso. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I would greatly appreciate if you subscribed and left a review for the show. As well, I would love to hear what your biggest takeaways were from the episode. My contact info is linked below. Send me a message and let me know what you thought. As always, I'm your host, Kenny Dusso. Thank you again and see you next time.